0: Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Work Hard to Tire Early podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Hadaway. So today I am sitting down with TEDx featured speaker, bestselling author of the book, The Six Habits, uh, Forbes 40 Under 40 at age 23, longtime entrepreneur and early retiree, Laura Benedetto. D. Benedetto. D. Benedetto. I forgot the D. (laughs) So how are you today?
1: I'm really good. It's going to be fun to talk with you. I'm excited. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to come on. Sure. I love the topic. I mean, I did the whole work hard and I retired early, so I'm excited to help other people do that.
0: Glad to hear. So, you know, I gave you a, a brief little intro there. Anything else you can tell us about yourself? Just as a brief bio?
1: Um, sure. Well, um, so I started my first company at 19 years old and um, I worked really, really hard. And I uh, managed to retire at 37. And um, retirement was not everything that I thought it would be. And it really surprised me quite a bit. So ultimately, the surprises that came along are why I wrote the book that I did. And uh, now I help other people to avoid the same kind of pitfalls that I found.
0: Definitely a great motive to have. Uh, I've seen that a lot in like people who have fired You get retired and you sit at home, you sit on the couch and you say, now what?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of silence in the now what? You know, you're like staring at the wall, picking your belly button lint. I just went from being CEO to CEO of doing the dishes. I haven't worn pants in a week. What's going on here? (laughs) Sounds like work from home too.
0: Yeah, I know. Right. Like I got a zoom meeting. Nobody knows if I'm wearing pants or not. It's optional. (laughs) I guess, you know, digressing from that, um, I was going to you know, start this off, you know, with your work as an entrepreneur, founding your own firm at 19 and growing it to the point of retiring early in only tw- in less than 20 years, which is beyond impressive, to say the least. Um, Thank you. You know, out of curiosity, you know, you grew extremely fast. What would you say, like, the hardest part of growing your firm and, like, challenges you faced were?
1: Um, CEO is a job that you learn on the job. And if you work in corporate, you've got mentors all around you. You've got a board of directors to help you be successful and learn how to do it. Um, you know, you've got other people, your, your success or your predecessor, blah, blah, blah. But when you're a CEO of your own company and you've never done it before, you really don't have any place to look for any of those really powerful lessons of how do you do this? So I actually screwed up a lot because I had to learn on the job. And, uh, I mean, I, I won a lot and thank God I learned quickly and I tend to learn the first time. Um, but yeah, you know, it was a really big challenge to, um, not have any sort of leadership. I really had to reinvent the wheel a lot, even though I had like, um, coaches and like mentors in the business community, I was largely on my own. to so just kind of figure it out.
0: I think learn by doing is the phrase I've heard several people use on the show before.
1: Yeah. You got to be a tenacious little so-and-so to, to be able to do that.
0: I like that mindset. So, I mean, out of curiosity, when you were starting your firm, did you have a clear vision of where the business was going or did you, did that evolve over time or was it a figure out and see?
1: Dude, I started the company at 19. (laughs) I love that you're giving me all this credit. No, I did not have a vision. I was like, I need money. I will go out and get money. That was my vision. Like, Listen, I think that sometimes we like to glamorize a lot of um, success stories without actually talking about how absolutely boring and normal people are and how like just, I don't know, basic some of our desires are. I was a kid who couldn't hold down a job because either I hated it and I thought they were stupid or they hated me and thought I was stupid. So I was like, screw you guys, I'm doing my own thing. So I started my own company and I just needed to eat. But then once I checked that box of like, Okay, I know how to feed myself. Look at me winning. Uh, then it started evolving into something else of like, huh? I could actually grow this, I could make a lot more money, I could grow this into something cool. And then I started following um, you know, folks like Robert Kiyosaki and Tony Robbins. And I was like, dude, passive income, that's a thing I want. So eventually, you know, somewhere in my 20s, I figured it out that that's what I wanted to build was a passive income vehicle um, and to pretty much spend my life accumulating slash building those.
0: So it changed. Hey, and obviously it worked out pretty well. Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty happy. I'm just out of curiosity. Would you know, almost sounds like you started with a bit of a scarcity mindset and that grew into, you know, a wealth mindset. I don't know if you'd agree with that or.
1: Yeah, I would. Yeah. I mean, my mindset, I mean, I grew up poor. We were on food stamps and everything. And like the concept of abundance, it's it's not that I had like a lack mentality because I chose it. It's because it's all I knew. It was like a matter of familiarity. Like I didn't know that abundance was available to everybody. Um, wealth was available to everybody, but it is. Um, you know, some people have advantages based on where they live, what gender they are. I hate saying it, but the color of their skin, the culture they're in, blah blah blah. There's just advantages and disadvantages. But everybody's dealt the hand they're dealt. And um, for me, I grew up with a you know, kind of a less abundant and you know, food stamps would certainly tell you it was very less abundant. My dad's disabled still, you know, um, you know that really shapes a person. But then it shifted to a wealth mindset because of personal development. I started reading these cool books that other people that I admired were reading. And I remember like meeting some clients of mine because I was always ambitious, but it was a very, like very nebulous goals. If I just want more, more, what, how much more, like give me a quantity, right. That never occurred to me. And I I met some really awesome people along the way who own businesses. And I would see all these books and I'm like, Oh, what are you reading? What's that about? I didn't even know self-help books were a thing. I didn't know wealth was a thing that like, you know, non-celebrities could have. I didn't know. So then I started reading these books and it was like the veil was pulled off. I was like, wow, anybody really can do this. And turns out I've got a lot of the right ingredients. So, okay, how do I get the right ingredients? How do I make this all work? So it was absolutely a, you know, lack to abundance transition of uh, mindset.
0: And I, I like that metaphor you got there, of, you know, like the veil was pulled off, kind of like one day you woke up and went, wow, you know, it, I can do this. I can have more.
1: Oh, yeah. And, and like getting like hyper specific about the more is like really been useful. I mean, so right now um, I run the third company that, um, you know, I've got and uh, I've actually started several companies and we can talk about that if you want, but I've shut down a lot of them because I'm just like nah. I'll- like this one. I just you know, didn't really do the things I wanted it to do. But um, third company is, uh, it's awesome. And I can already see like a lot of that Grant Cardone, like 10X mentality um, just by virtue of having gone through 20 years of experience, but also life experience and just realizing there is no ceiling. And if there is one, I'm the idiot to put it there. Um, so I'm very excited to grow this into a um, multi-million multi, uh, dollar
0: enterprise just for fun, honestly, just to say I can. I don't think I've ever heard that one before. Multi-million enterprise just for fun. I, that's, that's a new one on me.
1: Really? Well, I think it's really important that you do things cause you want to and like, you know um, it's a, it's an ammunition manufacturing company and um I mean, you're in Florida, the free state of Florida. So am I. And uh, we're really excited to, um, you know, support the second amendment, make uh, ammunition for law enforcement and for uh, retailers and individuals and things like that. And like, you know, ammunition on its face, it's, it's not my area of obsession, but it's an area of interest enough to where I'm like, yeah, I can do that. But what really fascinates me is I love growing teams. I love figuring out systems. I love sales. I love helping people. I believe in our community. I believe in, you know, our law enforcement, um, partners and, you know, the people who keep our communities safe. And like, for me, this is very much like something that I'm doing out of a place of like joy, curiosity, and like commitment to participating in building the world I want to live in. So like money is a detail. And like, to me, that's almost like a, yeah, I knew I could do it. Awesome. You know? And that that actually changes when you have that attitude and you're selling from a place of integrity, but you grow because it's fun. Um, You're able to be in high integrity sales, which is different than just normal sales, which can come across as a little sleazy because people
0: don't know how to do it well. I definitely hear you on that one. Like, wow, that's, that's a, mind-changing mind-blowing mind kind of you know talk realization into that and uh you know moving on from i guess you know just strictly business you know early retirement you stepped away from your first business at 37 which i definitely think is a dream to a lot of people who you know listen to the show or i interact with on social media i hear a lot of like 35 to 40 so 37's it so i mean out of curiosity what you know led to this decision and how did you know it was time for you to step away Well, first of all,
1: I actually could have done it um, in a grand total of five years from inception to retirement, Um, but I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, People can retire from things very early if they do it right. So I don't know, math, I toiled away for 18 years when it could have been five. So that's just a personal irritant. Um, But it occurred to me when I started realizing that passive income was a thing that oh i don't have to actually work here forever um i love it but i don't want to stay here till I'm dead i'd like to do other things with my life like people will generally have anywhere from 3 to 5 career changes not job changes career changes over the course of their working life and um it i was also realizing that as well i just figured when you grew up you did one thing and then you died um but no that's not true so the more i expanded my mind into like oh i don't have to pick one career oh i actually do get to be wealthy oh passive income is a thing people retire when they don't have wrinkles what i can do that so right around 30 i started thinking about the idea And I wasn't really sure how to do it. I was still very early in my personal development, professional development, things like that. Um, And I wasn't even sure how I wanted to exit because I knew building an exit strategy was very important. But like, what I had no idea of was what the correct exit strategy for me would be based on what I had already built you know, I did not create a software company. it did not have VC backing. I literally started my company with, you know, a computer and like 300 bucks, um, and just a hell of a lot of blood, sweat and tears. So it's like, okay, well, a company like this clearly has equity. You know, we've got, um, you know, pretty impressive revenues. Um, but I can't leave because the reason why the company has value to anybody is me. And if we take me out, the whole damn thing falls apart. So, the, the pivotal question that started changing things was what would happen if the company were to keep going and I were to continue to get paid by it, but not work here. What would that look like? So I began figuring out ways to do it, <clears throat> entertaining a lot of different options. I chose to bring on a 49% equity partner um, who would take the reins. I'm still CEO of the company, Um and I provide her with the leadership and the support that she needs, but largely she does everything. She um, she's on an earnout schedule over seven years, and uh, you know it's a nice arrangement because she gets to learn a lot while I'm still there. But I'm only there maybe like an hour once every month, um, and you know she largely just runs the show. So it took a while to find her. But once i settled on, I don't want to sell the company. I don't want to just, you know, hire people outright. I, you know, I don't want to own hundred percent forever. Um, that's felt like the right
0: business model for me. So, I mean, you would say you kind of stepped away to more of an equity income than a than an active income kind of stance with the business?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I get paid to sleep now and that's the point. That's the goal
0: too. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, and, and the thing is about, you know, the concept of like work hard, retire early. I, I like the concept and I agreed to be on your show just because of just that concept. It's so great. And I, I'm really excited to let people know that it's not just a possibility, but it's a possibility for you. And And you really, in order for it to be more of a close proximity possibility for you, you actually have to challenge your definitions around hard work, And early retirement. And what does that look like? And what does retirement at all look like? Does retirement only look like a mansion or can it look like a regular middle-class home? You know, um, you know, does working hard mean that you, you know, go balls to the wall, like 16 hours a day, seven days a week, or do you want to work four hour weeks and be highly efficient? Like, what does that look like for you? And I think one thing that a lot of people will discover is if you can actually build a machine, in this case, a company that works and you can build it to run without you constantly making everything happen or supervising every detail, um, even if you're not pulling in a million dollars a year, passive income, you could still have, you know, a very generous, like high sixes, low sixes and, and lead a very good life because ultimately the true measure of wealth is how much time you have and what you get to do with it. Not how much money you have,
0: and that, that's probably a no. That's definitely the quotable for this episode. Uh, you know, wealth is a measurement of time, not money. I, I like that mindset a lot, It's something I try to preach in my own content a lot. Sometimes it doesn't always get across.
1: Well, you know, if we think about it, like take a look at the wealthiest people that any of us admire. Why do we admire them? Right? Is it the the dollars and zeros? And does you know there maybe you know, their bank account looks like a phone number, like, okay. Or, um, do we admire them for all the awesome vacations they get to go on? And, you know, the fact that they get to spend more time with their family and whatever, like for me, I am extremely wealthy because I spend my time on only what I choose. I do not set my alarm anymore. I wake up when I want to. And by the way, it was like this while I was working as well. Um, I, um, for years, I have not set an alarm clock. It's been like 10 years now. Um, I wake up when my body is done sleeping. That's it. And uh, I'm healthier for it. Um, happier. I spend my time doing what I want. I take meetings when I want and when I don't. Because I love business. I'm never going to like fully like retire in the sense of punching out. Um know, like I wrote the book, I'm I'm doing the show with you, like about the Mo company. These are things I do out of love, but I still have to take meetings and do like actual work, you know, like reviewing insurance policies, meeting with attorneys, things like that. But those happen on my schedule and people are like, oh, you don't work Fridays. Can you take a Friday meeting anyway? No, I cannot. You can find a hole in your schedule. I will not be finding one in mine. Like you get to be really firm about your boundaries and really honor yourself and put your time and your energy and everything that you love into only the things that are on your priority list when you are wealthy. But when you're poor, you know, you have to do a lot of stuff you don't want to do when you don't want to do it. You are at the mercy of other people.
0: You gotta, you know, shift, I guess, that mindset into a place of, you know, self-respect, you know, like you said, can't just take a Friday meeting because you don't work Fridays. You've got to, Set your boundaries and set your time.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful doing podcast interviews. Um, and I I love doing it. I love promoting my book and I, I love putting those tools in people's hands so they can actually make their lives better. Um, before we hit record, you were saying how much you liked my book. I can't wait for you to finish it. I think uh I think you're gonna get a lot out of it. And it really does a lot, you know, it have a lot to do with um, you know, mindset. But like, you know, I I get interview requests. Oh, can you do like 7 p.m. your time? No, I don't work at that hour. Can you make an exception? No. And that's the thing is when you're wealthy, you get to say no a lot more because it frees you up to do the things that really matter to you. And like, for me, I want to spend time with my husband. I want to have phone calls with my best friends. I want to go for a walk or a bike ride in my neighborhood. And I want to feel the sun on my face. Like, you know, as soon as we're done, um, I'm going outside. I'm going to go sit in the sun because that's what I want to do with my time. And if I have calls, well, y'all got my phone number you know where I'll be. <laughs> so it, it's, it's definitely nice. And I think that more people would benefit from realizing that money is the thing that buys you time and flexibility with what you do with it. And that's why people hustle and try to get so much money is it's because they actually are in the pursuit of freedom, not
0: the money itself. Cause
1: money itself is just an idea that we've all agreed has value.
0: Came into that. You know, freedom's the goal, money's the tool. And I want to dive into mm-hmm. that a little more. I mean, obviously you're talking about for most people, a massive mindset shift. I mean, from the nine to five to freedom of your own time. Was that, you know, a bit of a struggle for you when you stepped away from your own business or did you, you know, kind of come home and jump into it? Um, what do you mean? I guess, uh, one thing you talked about in your book and, you know, your bio is you went through a bit of a self-discovery phase. Mm-hmm. Um, when you stepped away from your business, you know, I, what, what was like, you know, your first step in that, or how did you know what to do for that?
1: Um, oh, the beginning of actually stepping out. Yes. So the beginning of that was finding the right person and, um, tasking her with firing me. (sighs) Your job is to fire me. So this means that you are to learn my job and then take as much from me as you can. Um, and preferably do it better than I do it. And, um, you know, little by little, but you know, you, you can't, when you are, you know, a founder slash CEO, you can't just up and quit without someone actually knowing how to successfully follow in your footsteps. So the total timeline took about I was there for a year full-time training her how to do everything. And there's a lot, you know, company values, how we handle things in the sales process, how we, you know, deal with disciplinary issues with the staff, how we, you know, manage quality control and like um, insurance. And these are the vendors. I mean, there's a lot to learn at the executive level. Um, that took a year. In the second year, I was a drop down to part-time. Uh, at the beginning of the year, it was probably like, 30 hours a week. And then it like rapidly dwindled to down to like five, um, by August that year. And then, um, at the end of the year, it was like, I'm really not here per se.
0: So I'm just going to I'm out.
1: <laughs> so I chose my retirement day, which was my birthday and, um, happy birthday to me. You're fired.
0: <laughs> Best birthday present you could
1: ask for. I feel like
0: Not, and, uh, you know, moving that, you know, your book and your process of writing the book, you know, you came up with your six habits, you know, how did you kind of develop that, I guess, in your change in mindset or idea of where you need to start? And, uh, you know, what point did you feel like you needed to, you know, pick up the pen and write it down? Well, like, like all great ideas, it usually begins with a problem.
1: The problem for me is when I retired, I was burnt out. I was literally in the hospital multiple times for stress-related issues. I thought I was having a heart attack and I went to the emergency room. Turns out it was just incredibly bad um, anxiety, panic attack. Um, But like, it was really, really affecting my health. I was bleeding internally, like just from years of stress. I don't know. You just kind of get to a point where you see the writing on the wall and you're like, enough's enough. Um, And the moment for me was... Retirement because then I could actually see, huh, I'm actually not proud of my retirement. I'm not happy about it. I'm not excited about anything. And I feel really terrible. Um, I could die. So um, I was just, you know, asking myself, like, what's wrong? What's wrong with me? So I started doing a lot of self inquiry. I had a remarkable amount of time, which I never had before. Um, so I just started studying human behavior and, you know, I'd read a whole bunch of books and everything. And, um, and I always wondered why they never worked. Cause I was like, well, if I read these books, you know, I'll, I'll learn new things and then I'll be better for it. Except I wasn't. So it just kind of pissed me off. And I was like, why? Why? why, 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 why? So, um, I started just digging into social science and looking at human behavior and, uh, the science of habit formation and retention and stuff like that. And, you know, just every time I would, um, peel another layer of the onion, there was just more interesting stuff there. And it was very much like following the the white rabbit down the hole. Like there was just so much to discover. And it led me to a place where I was able to succinctly conclude um, with a great deal of accuracy that there are six aspects of the human psyche that shape our thoughts and our thoughts become our words, our words become our actions, our actions become our habits and our habits shape our lives. So through transitive logic, your thoughts shape your life. So that was a compelling inquiry for me of asking, well, A, what do happy people have in common? Because clearly whatever the hell it is, I don't have it. And then B, can I learn it? Can I get it? Because I'd like to have a happy life. So uh, I put my discovery of the six habits to the test. I changed my life. Um, I began healing my body. I became very calm, very peaceful, very happy, very like just light in my energy, um, success with, you know, other things. And even just conversations at home just started, um, just becoming easier, um, with a lot less friction, just because I was showing up differently. And then um, my desire ultimately to write a book was born from the excitement over the discovery of these six pillars. Um, and if you actually look across a lot of self self self-help authors, you'll see that they have fragments of these six in their writing. And these are like famous authors like Eckhart Tolle and, um, Napoleon Hill and stuff like that. You will see fragments of the six habits everywhere. I'm the only person that's ever like assembled them in one place. So, um, I desired to share this with people. So initially I just wanted to share this with people I loved. So I was just writing basically like a booklet just so they'd understand because they didn't have all the research that I had. And I always believe that the more you understand why you're doing something and the science of how it works, the more likely you are to do it and do it well and correctly. Um, but when I was like, I don't know, like, I don't know, 20,000 words deep. Um, I was like, wow self-help books are generally around 55,000. You know, I wonder if I could turn this into a book and it was just a casual idea. Like I did not begin on this journey with the intent to write a book. I began on the journey with the intent to heal what was broken inside, um, and see if I could lead the rest of my life from a very different place. And, uh, so the result, it took me about, um, two years, start to finish to publish the book um, from first idea scribbled on index cards at the beginning of my research to actually holding it in my hot little hands. And, uh, but man, what a cool journey. And then I got to do a Ted talk, uh, talking about it. Um, and just really sharing this incredible gift with people. Like if you master these areas and believe me, it takes concerted effort to do that, but it's completely doable. If you want it, you'll do it. Um, if you do that, you're truly free. Even And honestly, even if you're not like as wealthy as you want to be financially or with your time, you are still free because you are no longer imprisoned by
0: all these thoughts that hold you trapped to a life that doesn't serve you. And I love that mindset. And I, so like we talked about before, I've been working my way through the book and highly recommend anyone listen to the episode. I'll definitely link the uh, Amazon link below for it. Thank you. And, uh, you know, moving into that a little bit, one thing I do want to touch on, you know, you mentioned there there are six habits there. You know, I've seen skills before. I've seen, you know, mindset changes before, but, you know, six habits. So, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but, you know, anyone can learn a habit. It just takes some discipline. So what you're bringing to the table isn't, you know, you specific or me specific. It's something absolutely anyone can do.
1: Absolutely. That's, that's very true. And I'm I'm appreciative that you brought that up. You know, these are, uh, they are things that are universally, um, applicable to the human condition, uh, which is a good thing. Children should learn these things. It would make their lives a whole lot easier. Parents should teach these things to themselves so then they can pass it on to their kids. Um, but you know, kids learn by watching you know, they, it's a lot of like, you know, monkey see monkey do, um, not so much do as I say, not as I do. No, 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 no. That's not how that works. Um, so uh, these are all tangible things, but you know, the science of habit formation, it's ultimately sustained repetition. That's what it is. That's the simplest way I can put it to you. So when you're thinking about any habit that you have acquired in the past, anything, you acquired it by sustained repetition. You kept doing it over and over. Like for me, I like to have um, an iced coffee every morning. And, you know, before before I think, um, before I retired, I never had coffee, ever. I was a coffee-free individual. Um But one day I just decided to try it. I was like, you know, I don't care for hot liquids. I don't know why. Just like hot coffee is just gross to me. But like, you know, nice, icy, creamy coffee is wonderful. Um, And I was like, oh, shoot, this is really good. Maybe I could have it tomorrow. So and then after a while, I did it so long that now I will have, you know, no coffee in the morning and it feels like something's really missing. And it's not that I, I desired to acquire this new habit. I just did you know, um, like every night before bed, I wash my face, put on moisturizer, um, you know, put on like hair treatments and all this other stuff and serums and weird potions that ladies put on their skin. And, um, this routine and habit was ingrained somewhere in my twenties because my mom was like, you know, you should really do this. And, you know, we create habits, um, out of pleasure generally, you know, people smoke because they perceive that it gives them pleasure or relief from stress or something to do with nervous energy, right? People do drugs because it gives them pleasure. They, they drink too much because it gives them pleasure, right? Everything comes from pleasure. And honestly, my, um, you know, my nightly routine of like taking care of my skin came from pleasure because my mom insisted that I buy really nice products that smelled good, felt really good. I also know that it, you know, it helps me to like fall asleep easier. I was like, well, shoot, this is working out. So if we think about habit formation in that perspective, can we make the acquisition of habits that we know are good for us pleasurable? Like going for a walk or maybe you don't exercise enough. Like I decided to make an investment recently in a really nice um, bicycle, not a Walmart bicycle, an actual nice bicycle from a bicycle shop. And um, guess what? Now I exercise because now it's a pleasure. And um, that's the trick. So when we're thinking about these six aspects of the mind, the great thing is, is when we're learning these things, it might be a pain in the butt to like, actually think about these things initially, but we actually begin to see results right away from the work that uh, is prescribed in the book. And also in my 90 day program that is guaranteed to work and does, Um, you see amazing feelings and pleasure right away. And the longer you stick with giving yourself these daily doses of pleasure, the more you're training your brain to think correctly.
0: And that's absolutely what it takes. You know, you talk about this a lot. And I've, of course, found this in the first half of the book. Um, correct thinking is is what it takes. I mean, the first habit you talk about, you know, is kindness. You can't sit here and put yourself down, but expect to think positive thoughts. Correct. It's not going to work. I mean,
1: think about this in the context of parenting. Are you a dad?
0: I am not. Okay.
1: I'm also not a dad. Uh, <laughs> but uh, w- one thing you and I have in common is we used to be children. And, you know, if your parent or parental figure encouraged you and said, you can do it, honey. I believe in you. That felt a heck of a lot better than you dumb piece of crap. You can't do that. Don't bother trying. Meanwhile, the latter is how we speak to ourselves in our heads, whether we'd like to admit it or not. And that's not kindness. And, you know, the, the thing about these things, I mean, I'd love to be able to tell you that they're very like hard esoteric topics that are really complicated. And, you know, everyone is discovering this brand new thing that's never been heard of before. Right. The the brand new thing that's never been heard of before is the fact that there's six aspects of the psyche that you can control and they are habit-based and you are in the driver's seat. That's the, that's the thing that's new, but like the word kindness itself is not new and the approach to it is actually very specific. So People will often poo-poo things because of their apparent simplicity, not realizing that it's not as simple as you think. How old are you? If you don't mind me asking. 24. Okay. So you're 24. You have 24 years of experience of crapping on yourself. And if you're my age, you've got 41 years, right? Do you really think that someone telling you, you need to be kind to yourself is, oh, why didn't I think of that? And just you, you start doing it. No, it doesn't work that way. You have to you undo years and years of conditioning from society, from your parents, from your bosses, from yourself. And you have to find and search in every thought, in every nook and cranny and everything else. Like You can't, you can't uncover it all and fix it all with just, I'm just going to decide. People that are like, oh yeah, it just all happens in an instant. I appreciate you lying. That is not how it works at all. The decision begins with I'm going to look, and I will not quit until I find every last thing. But I promise you, it's like if you were to like take a huge um, loaf of bread, and it's been toasted, right? Like a huge crispy like ciabatta loaf. Take that out to the gun range and shoot it out with an AR, you know, and you're gonna be like seeing crumbs everywhere, right? All over the range guess what? Your mind is the same thing. All these terrible thoughts you've had, they're all over the place. They're scattered in the trees and the cobwebs on the ground, on the table, on everything, all these terrible thoughts that you've had your whole life, even the ones that you're really not even aware of. When you stop yourself from doing something, when you don't, swing for the fences, when you don't negotiate as hard, when you don't have the nerve to walk away from things that you know don't really work for you, you don't don't have the nerve to like call people on things, when you allow people to encroach on your boundaries, when you do all these different things, this is the result of you not being kind to yourself. So you need to blow it up and find every damn crumb. And that's how you clean it up. And me telling you, oh, you need to be kind to yourself is insufficient. You need to actually do the work, which is why I ended up developing the 90 day program. Again, this was actually an initial, um, product that I made for me. It wasn't a product. I was just like, well, you know, these are all facets of the mind and they appear to be mental habits. How the hell do you get a habit? Especially if it seems a little fuzzy well, repetition, and you're going to be looking at a minimum of 66 days, according to science. So I was like, well, you know what, I'm going to hedge my bets and call it 90. Guess what? That's the magic number. 90 days for sustained activity, doing the thing you're supposed to do, and finding every last crumb is what teaches you these habits that you will then
0: have for the rest of your life. And, you know, definitely great advice there. And uh, I love the, you know, keep coming back to, Tearing down negative thoughts, got to rework your brain to be kind to you and grateful to yourself, before you can really see a mindset. And I mean, Mm -hmm. erase like you said years of I quote unquote trauma. Even you know, Mm -hmm. rewiring.
1: Absolutely, it's it's rewiring, and you know life experiences do things to people and you know, like this podcast is not existing in a vacuum. There's been a pandemic that's affected people and it's been traumatizing children um, and adults and seniors. And, and and I mean, there's a lot of collective trauma because people are afraid of lots of different things. And if you've got a bunch of um, unsupportive habits now that actually keep you being unkind to yourself and all of the other th- habits that keep you in the dark trauma actually tends to put you further in the dark and i would argue that we have collectively as a society just endured quite a bit some of us are crawling out of it and some are still very mired in it
0: definitely like you event that's changed a lot of lives to say the least And that's definitely an understatement on my part no doubt about it no uh well moving into our closing questions for the interview uh where can we find you online If you go to
1: thesixhabits.com, make sure you spell it T-H-E-S-I-X, not the number, habits.com. You'll get to my website. You can also get the The Six Habits book on Amazon. Uh, If you're looking for the 90-day program, that's only available through my website. Um, But uh, anyone who's listening who is thinking about the book or whatever, grab a copy. I mean, books are like what, 15 bucks? like read it, invest a couple hours of your life and make your life better. Like you have nothing to lose everything to gain. And, um, if you read the book and it really resonates with you and you're like, damn, this, this lady's onto something, I would really, really highly encourage you to take a look at that 90 day habit mastery program, because instead of just, just thinking about these ideas and like a lot of, oh, that would be nice. You can actually do it. And in a 90 day period of time, you can become the most fulfilled, happy, prosperous, abundance minded person you never thought
0: you could be and be that way for the rest of your life. Definitely. And I'll link that uh, website and the book in the show notes. Um, you can throw this out there. Book is $9.99, free prime shipping. Definitely worth it, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, it's on I sale. <laughs>
0: And, uh, you know, last question, you know, what's, uh, next for Laura D. Benedito? Well, it's ammo, all things ammo. Pew, pew.
1: <laughs> I'm just really excited to grow this company. And, um, it's a joint venture with my husband, which is really, really awesome. Um, you know, I've been an entrepreneur since 19. He has not, this is his first um, adventure into business and he is, um, you know, an ammunition expert and he is genius with the stuff, former military and my best friend. And the fact that I get to work with my best friend doing something we both deeply care about for differing reasons, um, it's awesome. It's really, really awesome.
0: Love to hear it. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate you taking the time. Truly a pleasure.
1: It's been fun. Thanks.
0: Thank you again for listening to this episode of the work hard to early podcast. If you'd like to see more content from us, make sure to check us out at workhardretireearly.com or on Twitter at workhardre or at workhardretireearly on Instagram. Also, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to like the video and subscribe and hit the bell as we post new content every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So thank you so much for listening and we'll see you again next week for the next episode.